Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. I'm going to read the entire chapter as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to, so I will read from verse 1 onwards. Praise God. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. So what did Jesus do in his ministry? He taught, he preached. If you look at God's word, he's not going to say the same thing again. Teaching is different from preaching. We will go into that um, when the Lord wants us to. These are two different um, work of God, distinct ministry. Teaching ministry is a ministry and preaching of God's word before healing the sick is a different ministry. So he is teaching and he is preaching here to the different cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, John the Baptist was a man of God, a prophet of God, who was sent as a forerunner to Jesus Christ. And the ministry of John was to introduce the Messiah to the people, to prepare the way for the Messiah. So he had these two uh, important work of God to do. One was to prepare the way for the Lord and two was to introduce the Messiah to that generation. And so John completed his work that God had for him. Now it was his time to go soon. But he wants to make sure that his work was complete. And he's sending his disciples here to confirm that his work was over as he sent them. We're seeing the ministry of Jesus here. Preaching, teaching, and what happened next. Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So think about this. What is preaching? Even though I said that we'll go into it some other time. I just want to briefly just go a little bit on it. And another time we'll go deeper into it. We don't know, life training school or somewhere here, whenever God leads. But you see here the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Among the common people is to preach the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news of Jesus is to tell them the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And this is the most important thing, which is the kingdom of heaven. He was there to bring the kingdom of heaven down and to show them the kingdom of heaven. People who sat in darkness, they saw the great light. And so he's telling John's disciples, go and tell John that you are seeing all these things. What are you seeing? The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, this is the working of the Spirit of God in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So he is... And not just saying that, well, I'm doing some magic show here. No, this is a direct work of the Holy Spirit where the gospel is preached to the people and to confirm the gospel that was preached, signs and wonders are being done because God cares. Why is the gospel being preached? Because God so loved the world. Why is the gospel being preached? Because God wants to heal the soul and heal the body. You see the action of the Holy Spirit in two ways, because we are spirit beings on the inside. And the spirit is the spirit and the soul you have on the inside is housed by the body on the outside. So the body is made to house your soul on the inside. And so if we just focus on our body and leave our soul, we are the most, most miserable people. It's like taking care of this house and uh, not take care of the people on the inside. 
you can take care of the house as much as you want and you can have somebody's dead somebody dead on the inside or a dead rat on the inside and stench stench all over but still trying to paint the walls and decorate the house and change the chandelier and everything something is awfully wrong with that person at that point many many people in this world they are like that that try to go, let me go exercise, let me go do this, let me go study, let me do this, all this thing. Meanwhile, the soul on the inside is dying daily. So Jesus, out of his love, he came into this world and he's preaching the gospel. Gospel is good news and the good news is he is the way, the truth and the life. And he's saying, this is the escape route, get on it. This is the escape route, get on it. This is the escape route, get on it. You know? Oh, in um, in places where they have war, suddenly a bus comes. They say, get on this. Those of you who get on this will help you cross over to the other side. You can cross the borders. You can escape. The people who say, well, even though we're in war, even though it's miserable here, I don't know what's on the other side. I don't want to go. And they stay here are called fools. And people say, that, well, I don't want to leave this. This is all I know. You can call them fools because they're going to die there in the hands of the enemy. But the people who say that I'm getting and they're just squeezing their way and pressing their way in and they're getting into the bus and the bus is over full. And the bus is going to take all those who get in and they all get in. And then when the bus is just taking off, some people say, hey, wait, I just changed my mind. Guess what? You can change your mind, but the bus is not waiting because it's already gone. This is the state of mankind. The love of God comes to us and the bus waits. It waits for all those who will get in. You know what? There's someone standing there and saying, get on board, get on board, get on board. You're standing there, get on board because you're going to cross over to the other side and you're going to be free. You're going to be free. The enemy over here is not going to pursue you there. You're going to be free. Get on board. But you know what? There are many people saying, ah, I don't know if it's true. Maybe I'll come another time. Thank you, driver. Thank you, conductor. Thank you, bus. If they can talk to that bus. May God have mercy. It is for us to make use of the escape route. If we neglect such a great salvation, oh, what will happen to us? It's important, important while it is today. Don't harden your heart as in the day of provocation. Where so many thousands fell in the wilderness, not because of God, because they didn't. Get on board. And some said, get me out, 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 get me out. It's it's so cramped in here. And some look at it and say, oh, I'm not getting on that bus. It's so cramped. Look at all these people running. And what they do? Hey, you insulted me, so I'm not getting on that bus. Bad for you. If you think about others insulting you and you don't want to get on the bus, you're going to be under the domination of the oppressor here. All ego has to go in. If someone steps on your foot, those who stay in the bus with someone's foot on your foot until you reach the other side, you're smart. You'll make it safe. But if you say that, well, it's, I can smell this person's sweat there and it's too cramped over here. And you know what? That person pulled my hair when they tried to, you know, balance themselves and everybody's hurting me and this is bad at least i was free over there i had some room where room where where the enemy is with a whip over there may god have mercy this mind has to be straight in order to know the difference between right and wrong and it's god who comes and straightens that which is crooked It's God who comes and gives vision to that which is gone, blind. This is where the gospel comes. This is where the gospel comes. And Jesus came and he modeled it. He preached the gospel to the people. 
And what is happening? Healings and deliverance are happening. He gave the word for the healing of their soul. And he healed their bodies because both are captured by the enemy. And he brought total deliverance. Deliverance to the soul and deliverance to the body. That's what Jesus did. He brought total deliverance to all those who came to him. That means all those who made time and came and sat where he was. They didn't say, well, I have an important business meeting to go to. Well, I have family time. Well, I have to go there and party with my friends. Well, have you read about the story of Lazarus and Richman? What happened to the guy who partied all the time? And what happened to the guy who didn't have anything, but he was a child of God. And he was taken straight to the lap of Abraham. And this man went straight to hell because he was full of himself. Being rich or having riches is not wrong. It's a blessing, actually. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Having good things, best things is not not only wrong. It's a blessing from God. God's people must have better things than the people of the world. It's a blessing from God. And God says, out of all the nations of the earth, out of all the people of the earth, my people shall be above all those people. So the people of the earth will see this God. That's the father. He's taking care of his people. Oh, he's taking good care of his people. It's a blessing from God. But not everyone who's rich is rich because of God. So there's a difference there. God makes his people rich. God blessed Job and he made him the richest, the wealthiest in the entire East. Job feared the Lord and he didn't go to God to become rich and all. He went to God for who he is. That's why even when everything was taken away, he never left God because he didn't come to God for riches. He didn't stay with God because, oh my God, when I'm with you, you are making me rich and you are multiplying my business and you gave all these things to me and so I worship you. No, 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 no. No. He went after God for who he was and God gave everything he needed in order to do the will of God. God loved him. He loved God and God loved him. That's how it should be. Now there are people who don't have God who are rich too. Now, if you're diligent, you can come up to a certain extent, but you can never outshine God's people. Because God has created man, is, man in his image and given him or her the ability to work. And when you work, you will see the fruit of your labor. That's God's blessing that he has pronounced on mankind. So because of that, there's this general blessing that is there upon every human being. People who know God and people who don't know God. They work hard and they're able to produce wealth because of God's blessing that has been pronounced on mankind when God created man. So that is there. But it has sorrow with it. They have to be all the time worrying about the investment and all the time worrying about, oh, is it going to rain and how the weather's going to be? And it's not God who's giving them the increase, right? It's like they're toiling and they're toiling. And because they're toiling, they're getting the increase. There's a difference with God's people. Isaac sowed and God gave him a hundredfold increase. Now, he sowed too, just like the other guy. This guy is getting, he's putting 10 in and he's getting 20 out. But Isaac is sowing and he's putting 10 in, but he is getting 100 out, 90 more than what the other guy does. Now, you call that supernatural blessing. Isaac didn't go after God because... He said, well, you're making me a great businessman, God. What an investment. And so I will tithe to you. And every time I tithe, you multiply. And so I'm investing more so that I can get more. Well, that intention is not good. Abraham gave a tenth out of all that God gave to him to God. Not because he saw, he thought that God is a good investment property. Better than the banking system. If you invest here, you just get a puny thing if you invest. But. You invest with God, you get so much more. And so God, better investment, better than the banks. No. Abraham gave out of gratitude towards God. 
Abraham gave as an offering to God. It came from inside with pure motives. Very important. Pure motives. Whatever you do unto God, do it with a pure motive. Now, you see Jesus, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's doing signs and wonders. So the blessing of God, it maketh one rich without sorrow. That's the difference between God's blessings and man's hard work. You have, you see two types of wealth, right? Now there's a third type of wealth that comes from Satan. Satan says, hey, you serve me. That means you be my slave. When you come to God, God makes you a free person. When you go to Satan, you become his slave. You do what I say. All right. You go and make all those people immoral. I'll pay you for that. You go over there and you do all these things. I'll pay you for that. You go and sell your body and sell your soul to Satan. I'll pay you for that. Who makes them rich? Satan. And what is attached to that? Sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. How many people, you know, are medicating themselves, having drugs and alcohol? They have billions and billions of money. No peace. They can't have a proper family. They can't have a proper marriage. They can't have, you know, proper home. Nothing. Stench all over. Satan gives riches too. God gives wealth. You can have wealth from working hard. Satan gives wealth also. Hey, you make that music? Satan says to those who have a contract with him. I will enter into you and I will make you produce lewd music. And when you sing it, I'll have all those people come. You go to that concert and you go there. And I'll have Lucifer and all the demons dance with you. And I have all the crowds also dance because legions of demons like it went into the pigs will go into that crowds of people who have come to smell the stench that is over there. And what will Satan do? He'll say, I will fund you. I will fund you. I will take you to the top. I will fund you. That's what he does to people in Hollywood. That's what he does to people in rock music. When I say rock music, I'm talking about secular ones. That's what he does to people who are in secular music, whatever genre it may be. Now, you have a whole bunch of people who are led by demons, fed by demons, funded by demons, and wealth has come to them. They think, hey, I have the latest car. Now, there's nothing wrong with having the latest car and the greatest car. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from God or is it coming from Satan? Or is it coming from just you? trying to work on your own and trying to get something and make something for yourself, always have sorrow with it. But satisfaction won't be there. Because you really have to work, sweat so hard because it's a curse upon mankind. You really have to work so hard to make profit. But in God's kingdom, you really work very hard, but the profit is multiplied. Multiplied. And there's no sorrow with it. So God gives the best to his people. And the wealth that Satan can give to those who have made a contract with him and are doing his will, the wealth that people gain from working hard cannot come close to the wealth that God gives to God's people. He says, I will put you in a place way above the people of the earth, the nations of the earth, so high. But the difference will be so wide. That's who our God is. Isaac prospered so much that Abimelech and his people, all those people, they said, my God, we can't stop this guy from prospering. We just, just come and make peace with him. That's the hand of God. Abraham was so prosperous. There was no one like him during his lifetime. Job was so prosperous. There was no one like him during his lifetime because God's blessings rested on them. You know why? Because their eyes and their minds were not on this world. Abraham was so rich. But you know how he lived? He lived as a stranger and as a pilgrim. Detached. Totally detached from the things of this world. To such people, God will give everything. Because he knows that you're not going to run after that. You're not going to lose track. This is nothing for you. Yet, you value it because it came from his hands. That's the beautiful thing. 
Our heart should not be on the things of this world, but we don't despise what God has given because it's his mercy and his riches that he gives. And we have to be responsible for all that God has given into our hands and value it, value it. So now Jesus Christ is preaching the gospel to the poor, physically, spiritually, poverty. Spiritual poverty and physical poverty. Spiritual poverty is worse than the physical poverty. But a lot of times both go together. And so Jesus Christ is addressing both bodily needs and spiritual needs. Spiritual needs first and then bodily needs. And he's telling to John the Baptist, go and tell John the Baptist's disciples, go and tell John that this is what is happening. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel priest to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me this doesn't mean john was offended no there's something jesus is saying along with what he did to tell the people this is a very important scripture every single person in our church should know and every single person who calls themselves believers in the body of jesus christ no matter where they are in this world should know when the word of god comes to you if you're offended by it woe to you if the word of God comes or when the word of God comes and you take offense to it, you're going to fall by the wayside. When the word of God comes to it and it shines as a mirror and shows your imperfections, shows your ugliness, shows whatever is rotting there. It's important for you to say, yes, it is rotting there. God help me clean and pick up your broom and clean and get your sanitizer and clean. Do whatever it takes to clean and clean up yourself. You take offense to the word of God comes to you. You will fall by the wayside. God is speaking at this hour. God says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Oh, Jesus is the Lord of love. Oh, he is the truth. Oh, he is the way. Oh, more than everything, he is the life himself. Can anyone be offended of him? Can anyone? Oh, yes. That's what he's saying. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Or in this church where God is working in such powerful ways, can anyone be offended of the way that God is leading this house of God? Oh, yes, they fall by the wayside. It is important to know that which God does, he will do according to his will. There was a prophet in the Bible, and his name was Prophet Elisha. Many of you know, but this is how the Lord wants me to say and this prophet had a servant called Gehazi. And this prophet, because of the anointing of God that was upon him, did miracles in his hometown and wherever he went. Now, a girl from his area, from Israel, went to Syria and she was a slave at the commander of Syria's house and the commander had leprosy now this commander came to Elisha because he heard through his wife from this little girl that there is a prophet in Israel if you go to him he can heal you of your infirmities he can heal you of your sickness. He can heal you of your leprosy. Oh, uh, he heard that and he believed he had faith. And that's why this word of God went to him through God Almighty using this girl to Naaman. God is speaking of this hour. There are many Naamans out there having spiritual leprosy and physical affliction. God is asking you this question. Are you going to be like that little girl who went and said, there's a prophet in Israel, who can heal you of your leprosy? Are you willing to direct them to that prophet? Or are you trying to give a vague answer? Oh, you know what? Our God can heal Naaman. You cry out to God and you cry out as long as you can. And God will somehow, if he has mercy on you, he will do it. And you see people dying in their leprosy. If the girl can say this too, the commander who actually went and took her people and brought them to his nation. And she is one of those slaves there. But she had the integrity to tell him. 
to tell his wife, there is a prophet in Israel. How many of you can do that? How many of you have that integrity? How many of you really have that integrity? If you have been healed, if you have been delivered, you have been set free, and if you have received tons and tons and tons of miracles and blessings, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, from God Almighty, through the prophet of God, through the servants of God, God has placed over you in Port Jervis. How many of you have that integrity to go and tell the people, there is a prophet in Port Jervis who can heal you of your infirmity. Come to our church. Can you say that? Do you have that integrity? Do you have the boldness to say it? You know why? Because some people think that, what if we're saying, what if they come and what if they don't get healed? Are you God? Or are you the devil? Don't play both. If God says, call, call. He is a healer. He shows up. If he has a prophet in town, and if he's working through that prophet, then he will work. Don't let your unbelief stop what God can do in the lives of others. God is speaking at this hour. If you have received, or if you have seen, I mean, all of you have received. So I don't even have to say that if you have witnessed, you all are witnesses to what God has done for you personally. Do you have that tool that God has given, which is integrity in the depths of your heart? Are you trying to play priest and prophet and prophetess to everybody and saying that, oh, come on to me. This girl wouldn't have done anything if she thought that, well, Naaman, I'll pray for you. Naaman, I can heal you. God is the God of Elisha and God is my God too. The difference is she doesn't have the anointing that he has, but she can do one thing. Use that which God has given, which is her mouth. Use that which God has given, which is her heart. From the heart she spoke where she had that conviction. If you go there, this will be God. What is she saying at that point? She's actually speaking for God, God's word. She's actually giving him the good news. And the good news is, you go to my country and you go to my prophet. This is going to happen. There is a prophet that God has appointed in my nation. You go there. What's going to happen at that point? You will be healed of your leprosy. It's almost like prophecy that she's saying. She's not a prophetess. But you know what? She became the mouthpiece of God. What God wanted her to do, she did. She stood there and she said, go, go there. There's a prophet there. You know, she's not predicting something that she doesn't know. You know what she used? She used her mind. She used her heart. She was convinced that if he goes to Elisha the prophet, he will be healed. Based on what? Did she get a revelation from God? No, is she prophesying? No, she's not prophesying because prophecy is declaring the mind of God, something that you don't know being revealed in the natural realm. She's not saying something that she doesn't know. She's saying something that she knows. What does she know? She knows that he's healed people. Every time somebody goes there, they get healed. So if he goes there, he will get healed. So with 100% confidence, she is telling Naaman's wife, let him go to our prophet who is there in Israel and he will heal you all. Your leprosy. What is she stating there? She's stating the fact. It was a fact. God has anointed Elisha and he's given him the power to heal. That is the hand of God. She's directing him to go there. Now you look at that chapter, if you read Second Kings, you will see when you read it. The king thinks that Naaman has come to him for healing, which is really absurd. Because he's a king and he knows Elisha the prophet is there. And for him to even think, you know that kind of a twist that can happen in the minds of people? Suddenly, to block what God wants to do, suddenly they play God. Suddenly, like, he got, like, all angry and, like, he ripped his garment. He said, am I God? And he's trying to pull a fight with me. And God is working. How many times God is working? While God is working, you get things twisted in your head and you actually work opposite to God's work. Don't do that. Don't become a tool or a weapon in the hands of the enemy against God's work. Because it's God who saw a name and faith. And Jesus says that. Out of all the lepers in Israel, only the Assyrian commander, Naaman, was healed because he had faith. God saw that faith and God made a way for him to go to meet with the prophet of God so that he can be healed. But who is actually acting against God's work? Who is actually voicing Satan's words? It's the Israelite king. 
What a shame. What a shame. And you see, Elisha hears about that and he says, send him to me. Let him know there is a prophet in Israel. Let him know that there's a prophet in Israel. Saying that there's a prophet in Israel, let him know there's a prophet in Israel equals to let him know that there's a God in Israel. That's the connection between God's work, God's worker and God himself. Let him know that there's a prophet in Israel equals let him know that there's a God in Israel because who is upon that prophet? God Almighty. It's important for us to know. It is important for us to know. The importance of knowing who God has given to us and how to make use of that is very important to know. It's so twisted in the minds of people because you don't see genuine servants of God. You really don't see genuine prophets of God. You really don't see genuine anointed people of God. So what has happened very common in the West over here? Oh, oh, you don't give glory to men. You don't talk about that prophet. You don't talk about the pastor. You don't talk about anything. We just say, oh, God only. It's all God. What are you doing at that point? You're taking the light that God has put to show to this world the direction that they need, the light that they need in order for them to see. And you're taking that. That's God's light on somebody. You're taking then trying to put a blanket over that and saying, oh, no, God is the light. Let me cover it. God says, how dare you do that? Uncover that because it's my light that is shining through them. Uncover that. Let your light so shine before men that they may see what? the light your good works and glorify your father in heaven what happened to naaman when he came to the prophet of god what happened to him he became a worshiper of the living god his life changed and he had the contact with that prophet of god when people come and say oh no no you don't have to send him to elisha you don't have to we have rivers here they're talking like the devil that tried to convince naaman out of israel from immersing in the jordan river saying that oh we have it right here you think God is not, not everywhere? God is everywhere. You think God is not with us too? Oh yeah, he's with you too. But there's a big difference. This leprosy didn't go. God is speaking at this hour. Be clear when you speak. Don't be wishy-washy. You have faith before you can call people. Be clear in your speech. The Syrian girl, the Israelite girl in Syria, though she was very young, though she was very little, she was very smart. She had such love for God and love for her enemies. She had such a relationship in that house where she served, where they were able to believe her. She was very trustworthy. I've spoken quite a number of messages on this. I encourage you to listen to all of them. On Naaman and the girl and how God used the girl and how God used Naaman. There are many messages God has given. The Spirit of the Lord says it will really strengthen you greatly if you listen to those past messages. Now with Naaman, when he went to the prophet, he's outside. He thinks the prophet will come and touch him and all those things and, and do like how he thought will happen. But there was a test there. With God the prophetic anointing of God, the spirit of God upon Elisha did not permit him to go see Naaman, but to just send the instruction through the servant Gehazi. All of a sudden, what happened? Huh? How come he didn't come and touch me? How come he didn't come and say hello to me? He didn't do this to me. Oh, be very careful of that demon that comes to you from time to time. Says that, oh, pastor didn't call me. Somebody is testifying and they said, if pastor didn't call, you know that God didn't let the pastor call you. You're taking offense to God Almighty. If pastor didn't talk to you and you take offense, you're taking offense to God Almighty. If pastor didn't give you a job to do, then don't do it because God didn't give it to you. If you're not called to the front seat, the Bible says, just sit in the back because you don't want to be embarrassed when you go sit in the front and you're told to get up and go back. Your pastor or the prophet who is called to be a pastor, pastoring the church as a prophet, and you know that it's so clear that God is leading the church in a direction. And if you don't get a call, or if you are not called for something, you better be very careful because you will be in big trouble with God at the time, big time. Naaman took offense to that and Naaman said, oh, you know what? He didn't come and touch me. And he, oh, God said, don't go to him and don't say hello to him. Don't even look at his face. It was a test for him. If he would have gone back home, he would have died as a leper. 
But he had some smart servants who were there who said, just listen and just do what he said. Because you may be a commander, but he's bigger than you. Remember that. He has the power to heal you. You don't have. You have your uniform and you have everything you think you have, but you're a leper on the inside. He has the power to heal you. You don't humble yourself and you act like a big shot. You're going to go back and die. Your uniform and your name and your fame will die with it. Be careful. When it comes to dealing with the servants of God, be very careful. When you open your mouth and speak anything against them, be very careful. Because you'll be speaking directly against God Almighty at that point. Because they do what God tells them to do. If God says sit down, they sit. If God says stand up, they stand. If God says preach, they preach. If God says don't say anything, they don't say anything. If God says call someone in the middle of the night, they do. If God says when you're having chest pain, get up and do this, they do that. If God says don't do anything at this time, they don't do that. And for you to get up and say that, well, I'm taking offense to this because, you know, I'm not getting this, they're getting that. And at that point, you are standing against the living God himself. Discontentment will be, no matter how much you get, you never feel content. That's a demonic spirit, demon from the pit of hell. So be very careful when it comes to opening your mouth because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You'll be blessed or cursed by your own words. So be very careful. When you open your mouth, and especially when you see signs and wonders happening right in front of you, and you have been a recipient of those miracles, don't you open your mouth and speak anything against. Because not only whatever you received will be lost, whatever you had before will come for with a full force, with the vengeance, it'll come back. And at that time, it'll be very difficult. So be very careful. When you open your mouth, be very careful. What you think in your mind, be very careful because your mind is a gate where Satan will try to come inside. And you see, oh, Naaman, you've come this far. I tried to work through the king. It didn't work. I tried to work. There are some people who say, I don't want to come to church because, you know, he looked at me this way. She looked at me. Are you coming to look at God or are you coming to have everybody look at you in a nice way and say, oh, what a holy saint you are. God have mercy. At that point, you are coming as a demon, as an idol in there and say, Hey, you, look at me. God is speaking at this hour. Don't you do that. You are coming to serve God. You are coming to worship God. And he is the object of our attraction. He is the center of our worship. We are coming there to serve the Lord. He is the object of our attraction and the center of worship. We come there to see him, not someone to see us and say hello to us and say, How are you doing, darling? No, we're not there for that. We are here to serve the King of Kings, the Almighty God. We have to come with all humility and say, God, build me up today and I'm here to serve you. Lord, may I rise up to you as a sweet smelling savor. And that should be our attitude. Otherwise, Satan will have anybody just look at you. And when they look at you, it'll flip in your mind that they looked at me like this and they looked at me like this and they looked at me like whatever. Who cares how anybody looks at you? If you come with an attitude, sour attitude, everything will look sour. Your heart is not right at that point. When your heart is not right, you'll take offense to every single one there because your spirit is not right at that point. God is speaking at this hour. If Naaman would have taken offense and he would have gone, oh, the anointing of God that was upon Elisha would have been of no use to him. But his servants were wise enough over there. They said, no, no, no. Just do what he said. And you know what Naaman, Naaman at that point was smart enough to listen to them. That's a man of character. He didn't say, hey, you're my servants. Shut up. You're trying to insult me. No. There are people like that. Or when someone gives a counsel, they say, don't you dare talk to me like that. They don't want counsel. I don't want to be told. Oh, wow. You can just see Lucifer on their heads and their foreheads, faces. You don't want to be told. Only fools will not want to listen to good advice. Don't you be among the fools. When any advice comes, even through your child, or through another believer, or through anyone, I'm not putting pastors here because when they speak, it is coming from the mouth of God. I'm not putting that on the same level as it's coming from anyone else. When it's coming from the servants who are supposed to be younger than or under you, we're saying, listen, 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 listen. You should listen at that point. Otherwise, you're the loser, not them. Not the servant of God. The servant of God has done his part. 
That's a true servant of God. A servant of God who doesn't look at the face of another to please him is a real servant of God. That's a real prophet. They don't worry about what anybody will think. Whether you stay or whether you go. If God is not involved in it, Elisha is not going to run after Naaman. No. The word of God, when it comes through the prophet of God, whatever avenue it may be, once that comes, it is your job to listen if you want to be blessed. If you don't want to be blessed, do whatever you please. All the way coming from Syria to Israel is in vain. You just had a trip. And don't say, well, I went there. What a waste. No, 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 no. You aren't worthy of it. You didn't receive it. You went there, but you didn't receive it. God is speaking at this hour. Be smart enough to listen to the counsel of God. Be smart enough to close your mouth and not let the devil use you to rob you of your blessing. I want to say it again. Be smart enough to close your mouth and not let the devil rob you of your blessing. Don't partner with Lucifer whatsoever. When you come to the house of God, let God be your focus and not yourself. You are here to serve God with your heart. You are here to serve God with your mind. You are here to serve God with your body. Come before the presence of God in a presentable manner to God, which means holy unto the Lord. Whichever way you come, make sure, head to toe, that you are holy unto God. That's what being presentable to God is. The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There's this beauty to holiness. In your conduct, in your mannerisms, in your walk, in your talk, and how you hold yourself. When you're holy unto the Lord, there's a beauty that is there that comes from God. And it's pleasing to God. Praise be to God. We see Naaman. We see Elisha. We see the king. We see the servants. And we see the little girl. We see Naaman's wife. We see how God is actually moving through each and every single one to get Naaman healed. And we also see how Satan was moving through the people to stop Naaman from not only getting healed physically. Satan is not really concerned about that, even though, you know, sickness primarily, primarily, not all the time, but primarily comes from Satan. Now, God healing Naaman is going to lead him to God Almighty. Or Elisha, God working through Elisha, Elisha's healing here because of God's anointing, will lead Naaman to God Almighty. So Satan does not want that to happen. So he's moving through the king. He is bringing thoughts into Naaman's head. But you know what? God is still after Naaman getting healed. God is still after Naaman getting saved. And he's moving through the servants here to have the wisdom to listen to the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, once that came, Naaman listened. He escaped the trap of Satan. Naaman escaped the trap of Satan. Now, he's in the Jordan River. He's in the Jordan River immersing. How many times? Seven times. He didn't give up. Once he heard that from his servants, he said, I am going to do that which I was told by the prophet exactly you know there are people who come and tell me pastor i did what you said but 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 i know when that but comes they didn't do exactly and they're just lying through their teeth well god sees it you're not going to get the blessing because if two plus two equals four and you say two plus one and i did what you said there is a plus sign that i put but it's not four. It cannot be four. How can two plus one equals four? It cannot be four. If God tells you to put a two there, put a two there if you want a four. If not, you won't get it. How many times you put plus and take a pencil and a pen and do it mm, 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 to do that? I put a plus. I didn't put minus. God, I put plus. You can do how many ever? A thousand pluses there. But if that two is not there and you do a one and say that I did it, you didn't do it. You're doing, you will, you will be doing exactly as how Saul did when the prophet Samuel told Saul to do what God told them to do, which was get all the people and do not spare the king Amalekites. He brought the king and he brought the best of that. 
flock and whatever that was there, which brought the curse of God upon him, not the blessing. We need to be people who are honest. We need to be people who are caring. We need to be people of God. It's when you lose sight of who God is. It's when you lose sight of who the servants of God is. When you lose sight of who you should be listening to. And all of a sudden you feel like, hmm, I'm right and God is wrong. I'm right, the pastors are wrong. Hmm, I know what I'm doing. I do my own thing. For such people, the scripture, their scripture, not God's scripture, will be. I commit myself unto myself, and I will lean unto my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge myself, and God will direct my path. Really? Really? May God have mercy. Commit yourself unto the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Get your stuff out of the way. That really stinking stuff has to go. Stinking stuff. I say it in the presence of God through the spirit of God because it is a stench, ugly, stinking stuff has to go. If you ever want to make any progress in life, especially in the kingdom of God, that stinking stuff has to go. The Bible says, one dead fly, one dead fly, one dead fly. One dead fly, one dead fly is enough to stink up the entire perfume bottle. This is why God is so passionate about that one dead fly. Let it not happen. We don't want to have any dead fly in our perfume. We don't want to have any dead fly in our perfume. In your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, in your family, make sure there's nothing that causes death or brings a stench or no dead fly is present, period. If it is there, you and your family will become useless to God. Make sure there's no hypocrisy. If you want to serve God, make sure you're clean before God Almighty. If you want to serve God, make sure that you stand with no dead fly inside of you. Before you try to take the plank or the speck out of your brother's side, make sure you take the plank out of your own eye. Make sure you stand before God and that God sees you through and through and that God commends you for what you're doing for him because it is a pure, holy sacrifice. It is a wholehearted sacrifice and it's a cheerful or joyful sacrifice to God. As I finish for tonight, the Spirit of the Lord wants to drive these things into your hearts. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to God. All those who think you stand, take heed lest you fall. It is important for us to have fear of the Lord in a healthy way. It'll keep us from trouble. It'll keep you out of the snares of the enemy. What God tells you to do, do it. What God tells you to not do, don't do it. What God tells you to say, say it. Don't try to portray yourself as something when you're not because the mask will be removed before you know. And what is behind the mask will be exposed. God is speaking to our hearts today. You know, no matter how you try to dress up a corpse, a corpse is a corpse. A corpse is a corpse, no matter how you try to dress up. They do all those fancy things before you do the send-off. Because you have to send that corpse out. If you don't, with all the fancy clothing, the stench is going to come. God is speaking to our hearts today. Let there be no depth in your spirit. Let there be no depth in your heart. Let there be no affiliation to death in your mind. Because 
with all the fancy outward covering that we may put up to show that, hey, I am a child of God, I'm a son of the king or the daughter of the king or whatever the king it may be. The stench will come from your affinity with death. The spirit of God is speaking at this hour out of his love and out of his compassion because death cannot stand in his presence. You get rid of death or God will get rid of you. I want to say it as a prophecy because the spirit of God is speaking. You get rid of that which is defiling you or God will get rid of you from his presence. You get rid of death which is defiling you or God will get rid of you from his presence. You get rid of death that is defiling you or God will get rid of you in his presence because death cannot stand in his presence because no stench can be found in the house of God because no stench can be there in that perfume of God. It cannot. So that's why every believer who comes to the presence of God has to be holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord. It's of such importance because we together make up that body of Jesus Christ. It cannot be defiled. It cannot be defiled. I don't care who says what. It cannot be defiled. It cannot be defiled. The house of God cannot be defiled. The body of Jesus cannot be defiled. His kingdom cannot be defiled. Death cannot stand in his presence. Be like this little girl. With the knowledge she had, with the experience she had, with the witness that she had, she had that confidence. If this man would just go to Israel, if she can just go to Prophet Elisha, he will be healed of his leprosy. As we are in the presence of God and before we pray, make a commitment to God and say, Lord, I've been shutting up my mouth all this time. I'm not saying the way how I should say when I invite people to church. I'm not being a good witness at this point. I'm just being wishy-washy and saying, I know God can heal and try to like, what are you afraid of? God looks at it and says, what's wrong with you? Didn't you go there and get healed? Can't you open your mouth and say, that's where God healed come there? God is pleased. A prophet there, God is placed. His anointing there, God is placed. His servant's there. Come there, you can get healed. Can you open your mouth and say it? Or you feel like you have some sticky thing over your mouth and say, ooh, I can say that. At that point, you are minimizing the anointing of God and the power of God is working. Even though you yourself, you are a recipient of God's power. You try to hide that which is shining so bright. That light that God has put in there. God says, people who sat in darkness saw that great light. It's a great light. And this light is a very bright light. And all of you who sit under that light, you need to tell those who are in darkness, hey, come here. There's this bright light here. Come here. You go to the highways and byways and bring the people here and say, come here. There's a bright light there. Come here. There's a prophet in Israel, in Port Jervis. Come here and see for yourself what you can experience. Or for the blind see, we have that. We heard of testimony. That child had one eye legally blind. The other eye had partial vision. I was a witness to that. He was wearing thick glasses. When God healed him, when he got his partial vision in one eye, he still had partial vision in the other eye with thick glasses. When he came to church, when the Lord had me lay hands on him, both became normal vision where the child doesn't wear glasses anymore. That's the power of God, the blind saw in our church. We have seen lame walk. We have seen dumb speak. We have seen the deaf hear. Oh, we have seen people who can't hear, hear. People with tinnitus hear, not one or two, many. And right here in our midst, it's an example. She couldn't hear in one ear because of the tumor. The first thing that happened in the middle of the service was she was able to hear. The spirit of God working here touched her while she was in the basement with the kids. During the worship, God touched. And when she was down there, suddenly she's feeling. What was she feeling? She was feeling what was done by God while she was in the sanctuary during the worship. All of a sudden, she's hearing everything loud. That deafness was gone. That's when she realized, oh, probably my tumor is gone too. Yes, it was gone. Many miracles God has said, how much do we need to see? How much more? 
How much more do we need to see? For your faith to rise up after you get healed so many times. To call someone to say, hey, come, God will do it for you. How much more do you have to see? How much more do you have to experience? To confidently say like this little girl, go there. God will do it. And as we think about all that God is doing in our midst, may we understand the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have received something from God, if you've received something from God, you are indebted to God. Open your mouth and go tell people. On this day, on this day that God has brought us here into this house of God, this third day of fasting and prayer, especially with what God has given to you, God is moving you to really evangelize the way you should do like how this little girl did. She did not keep the location. She did not hide the servant of God and the anointing of the servant of God from Naaman. And that's why Naaman got healed. That is why Naaman came to Israel. May God help us as we hear this truth to really become true evangelists, really become true servants of God. I'll do that which we need to do in order to bring healing to those who are sick, in order to bring deliverance to those who are bound, in order to be what God has called you to be. If God has placed you in the place of that little girl, with this truth in your hands, that you know the location, you know the servants of God that God has used, and you know that God did for you and for so many of the people. They know this. The blood of all those people that you know lays upon your hands. And on that last day, you'll be found guilty in the presence of the Almighty God before all the people. God will have you stand and ask, you know this? You received it from the source How come you hid it? How come you didn't tell them? Because if they would have known, they would have been delivered just like how you got delivered. They would have been healed just like how you got healed. Their marriage would have been spared just like how your marriage was spared. They would have. They would have. They would have. They didn't have to go through this. They wouldn't have been dead. They wouldn't have gone to hell. All those things God will ask you on that day. If you hide the light that God is shining. And if you think that, well, I'm going to just put a cloth and I'm going to show that, you know, I'm going to just keep it there. Because I don't want to. God is everywhere. God is everywhere as the omnipresent God. But if there is this pool of Bethesda, you can't say God is everywhere. No, only those who came to the pool and jumped into the pool first got healed. There were many lepers there. Yeah, God was all over. The only one leper, Naaman, who went to Elisha got healed. This what my Bible says. So have this before you. Understand this. Grasp this. May God help you to hold on to this tightly. And change the way you are evangelizing. It's so important. But the Spirit of God has to spell things out. Give it to you the way it should be so that you can know that this is how it needs to be done. Not in a generic way, but in a more specific way. Let's close our eyes and look to the Lord at this hour. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power that is present in our midst. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your glory that shines through every darkness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power that is present every Sunday to heal, to save, and to deliver. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your servants that you've anointed and you've placed in this house of God as your vessels, as your hands and feet and your mouth and your mind to all those who had come and make use of that which you have kept for them. Oh Lord, I pray that you'll bring many, many Naamans to our church using many, many of our people who have the caliber and the character like the little girl. 
who have the wisdom and the burden, like the little girl, to say what they need to say the way they should say, so that many Naaman's will come to know you, will be healed, be saved, and will become inheritors of eternal life. With this blessing, I bless your people with. And I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bless us with his peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen.